0: John 16, 16 to 33, Jesus went on to say, In a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me. At this, some of his disciples said to one another, What does he mean by saying, in a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me? And because I am going to the Father... They kept asking, what does he mean by a little while? We don't understand what he is saying. Jesus saw that they wanted to ask him about this. So he said to them, are you asking one another what I meant when I said, I'm in a little while, you will see me no more. And then after a little while, you will see me. Very Truly, I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve. In that day, you will no longer ask me anything. Very truly, I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name until you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. Though I have been speaking figuratively, a time is coming when I will no longer use this kind of language but will tell you plainly about my father. In that day, you will ask in my name. I am not saying that I will ask the father on your behalf. No, the father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the father and entered the world. Now I am leaving the world and going back to the father. Then Jesus' disciples said, now you are speaking clearly and without figures of speech now we can see that you know all things and that you do not even need to have anyone ask you questions this makes us believe that you came from god do you now believe jesus replied a time is coming and in fact has come when you will be scattered each to your own home you will leave me all alone yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. Altogether, I have have told told you these these things, so that in me you you may have peace. In this world world, you will will have trouble, but take heart, I I have overcome overcome the the world. Good news of Christ. Good news of Christ. (laughs) Praise
1: to you, you, Lord Jesus Christ. Good cooperation there, you guys. Oh, thanks Mammy
0: so, yeah, we'll, um,
1: well thanks. Erin um, good morning everyone. It's nice to see you. Um, I feel like I would like to dedicate this sermon today to um, my dear husband who has to listen to the workings out of it all and um, my dear kids who uh, I helped. I toss out a my sermon ideas at dinner time and be like, Tell me what this Bible passage means. <laughs> and um, for sometimes, Karen
0: and, Sarah.
1: and for Karen and Sarah, who Thursday night were part of my home group, listening to me stumble around with all the uh, things on my mind and heart. And um, I wish, in a sense, that I had just, uh, and also I just, this morning it's already gone it, in us today and, and, and just what's happened already is like all the inspirations for this sermon. Like what I mean is that, I, every time I go to preach a sermon, I have this like weird existential angst about just what is the point of a sermon and how many more is it that we really all need to be listening to and how many more do I need to be giving you. I have, I have this fantasy of I'll give you the final sermon and we'll never have to do another one again, not because I'm so amazing, but it'll just finally do what they're supposed to do and it'll be done, you know. Um, and ultimately because what I always want to try to express, but and I have to use words and the very fact that I use words then obscures the thing I'm trying to say because words are hard but um yep so is that uh is I want to uh, I want to just share my state with you I have an interior state that I feel and I just would love to like give you that state like rub up against you in osmosisly you just would have that and um and so i'm trying to put words to something really big in this passage i these all these chapters in john like 13 14 15 16 what have we been doing four or five chapters here they're so dense they're so each i feel like every verse is its own sermon like i'd love to do a sermon about what it means to actually ask for something in jesus name um, yeah there's just so many sermons in this and so I'm gonna focus focus on just that last bit that we read together because it's all I I can capture today I think is I've overcome the world and I think when I've read through my own life that verse has meant a ton to me um and just helped me in like a lot of dark points of just like there's some mystery there, but Jesus has overcome the world, and Jesus said that before he went to the cross and was resurrected. So, Jesus's life, the living, um, we often think that what Jesus there's even songs about how Jesus came to die, and I think it's a sort of an odd way to think about why God puts a person onto the earth, like were we all born to just get to our death? <laughs> I don't think so. Um, I think Jesus came to live and his living overcame the world. Um, and uh, there's clearly some mystery there, but when we look at the world today, when I think about, um, yeah, y- Ukraine and Russia um I mean, it, it feels like apocalyptic these days, right? The last couple of years have felt apocalyptic, like we were living with plague and war and um, people yeah. calling false things true and the truth false. Um, you know, and in Isaiah, it talks about a, a time when the prince will come and no longer will what is good be called evil and what is evil be called good or what is noble be called crooked or what's crooked called noble and the weight of the world of that it's on all of us right we're we like we're literally literally living it out in our daily lives the 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 world and um i could like pick also this whole um like sentence apart and tell you what all the greek words mean Um, the trouble with translation of course is we you can't quite get the depth of meaning that um jesus words actually have when they come to us in translation Um, but the world gordy did a sermon two weeks ago on the world so he kind of did some work but to review the world is um the world is kind of like the systems right the world is transactional in nature. The world is mammon. The world is the spirits of the of all the thing, the, all of the energies and all of the that combine to build these systems that we function and live in, right? Um, and the, Jesus talks about the world like a ton in this end, and obviously Paul talks a ton about the world, and um, and because in, in Christianity we we tend to have a constant evaluation of what's good and what's evil, good and what's evil. We do the good things, and we do the evil things, and then we're confused because sometimes bands like Striper wear girl hair and then fancy jackets and they really seem to like their guitars probably like a bit too much but they're singing about love and they're putting their arms around each other and you're like oh oh i can't tell is that good or is that bad then we're like confused right (laughs) um so uh yeah um so what we often The systems actually all kind of, and we see in our, the systems are, we see it in, we see the world in all of our systems. We see, you know, our our education system, our um, economic system, our medical system, all of these, our law enforcement, our court systems, all of these places that were there's a always, basically whenever you get more than one person, you get one person, and then you get one more person, and all of a sudden you got to figure out what's good and bad, what's the thing you shouldn't do, what's the thing you should do, right? And um, and the world is the the in a sense the the judgment of deciding all the time, and the and the repercussions that we live with in trying to decide all the time. What is good and bad? What's the thing that's going to be the rule? What's not going to be the rule, right? Um, and obviously, these things are necessary. As soon as you get more than one person together, you want to make sure that you know. I don't know. Some people aren't killing other people, or some people aren't stealing things from other people, right? There's there's a necessary. The world is kind of a necessary evil, right? Um, and I thought about looking at all the verses of the world. Well, and I did, and but I thought. Then I would give you a sum up of just kind of like what those verses all meant. and, And then I just felt like the Spirit just be like, there's just one verse that matters here. And it's that God so loved the world. Now, in Christianity, we think of the world as the bad. It clearly doesn't fall on the good side, it falls on the bad side. Right? Like Christians are good, the world is bad. God is good, the world is bad. And the confusing thing about the world is we don't quite know, does it include us? Like, are the people of the world part of the world, right? And, um, but God so loved the world, so loved the world, that that's our most famous verse, right, that he sent his own son, his own embodied Trinitarian existence to be slain to satisfy our guilt and need for and taste for death and, and sense of revenge and justice, um, and our sense of the rightness it is to destroy evil. Um, that's all we we kind of the law. That's what the law is, right? It's a it's a system of morality of good and bad meant to, you know, make us good Christians or the good Jews. And um our rules vote for each other, of what's there's myriad, right? Don't have long hair if you're a boy, don't like your guitar too much, don't um are all. Like reflections of what we think is right to be doing. They're all reflections of that we think it's right to be noting what's good and making sure that evil is crushed. And I am so convicted. Um, even like when Putin attacked Ukraine, I, I thought. Maybe I've watched too many like spy American spy type movies or you know, international espionage and like, why hasn't this guy been taken out already? You know, isn't that a thing or is that just a thing that happens in movies? Why don't, why doesn't someone who works like close governmental workers with him, why hasn't someone killed him already? Isn't that what we should be doing with evil? Is just slaying evil. Um, and every time I find, uh, I find it really easy to spot evil in other people, and um, every time I spot that in somebody and I'm like, oh, psh, 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 you're, you're a Christian, you're not supposed to have those kind of feelings about people, right? You're like, um, wow, they're really hard to cooperate with, aren't they? You know, um, every time I have that feeling, I'm like, Jesus, what's your, what's your take on this person because i'm having a hard time seeing the value here and uh and it i might even be right about some of the things they might actually have some of those terrible flaws and i'm i probably am right because the only ones i notice are the ones that i've got and from my own assessment of those things they're not particularly stellar so you know i probably write about some of them but the rightness doesn't matter um and every time what i see is Jesus is like, literally, I've had this vision. Jesus just walks towards evil, arms open, hands empty. There's no accusation. There's no weighing of judgment of good and evil. Overcoming is done by loving. Evil is overcome by loving. And I asked my kids, and so... I wanna just tell you a bit so I've referenced before to you that um, I've I've grew up in trauma and I don't need to give you like a full description of what it is to live with complex PTSD, but it's, um, there's new PTSD and complex PTSD is essentially that PTSD is when something happens to you singular and you are traumatized and it gets stuck in your body, it doesn't move. Um, Complex PTSD is when you, are sustaining trauma over periods of time like a lengthy period of time like a childhood Um, and what the difference between someone who develops as an adult into an adult and then maybe has a trauma or even through like maybe most of their childhood and as a trauma is that and versus a child who's traumatized from very early is that there's no sense of self So if an adult is traumatized, the way that they heal from trauma is they remember who they were before. Because what trauma does is shatter. It just shatters identity. It shatters your understanding of the world and everything. And you're broken from everything and you're trapped in a fear state. Your whole PTSD and complex PTSD are thought of as mental disorders. But they actually are physiological states that have of course emotional and mental side effects and physical side effects but it's actually a physiological state your nervous system is trapped in a state of fear and um i love that francis is here today because the indigenous people right now are demonstrating exactly how the first steps of how you heal from trauma and what by what we see the Indigenous people doing is they were traumatized and they were shattered. They were broken from identity. They were stripped of value, stripped of humanity, right? The, their essential being. They were stripped from their connection to each other and God, just like a total split. And the, the, what they are doing to heal is they're remembering who they were. They're remembering that they drummed. They're remembering that they had beautiful languages. They're remembering that they had art that expressed their hearts and the creator. Right? They're recalling and remembering collectively who they were. Right? And that's so much first steps, right? And... But doesn't need the the. It doesn't need the abuser to be a part of that, right? It, it doesn't need the one who committed the crimes to be part of it. They just need to come together, and remember who they are, and then next steps, which is what, um, Francis is going to be, is moving into, is um. Is like bringing it back, to. The the trespasser the one who trespassed on who they were and, um, and who they were as a people. And, um, and then the beauty of that is then, we'll be at the, the, the mercy of the indigenous. The white people will finally be at the mercy of the indigenous. We'll be able, they will hold themselves so strong, but they'll have come from trauma, and so they will be stronger. They're not going back to what they were, they're going to a new place, but by remembering who they were and overcoming the trauma, overcoming the world, overcoming the systems. And then we will need their forgiveness. And I just think, what a beautiful place for white people to be in. (laughs) Anyway, that's a side point, but I just really love that, that kind of illustrates my point.
0: You started about complex PST and, and so the sense of self.
1: Yeah, so I wanted to tell you, when I was a child, what happened here is that I got traumatized so soon that I didn't have a self to lose. There wasn't a self to remember. Um, I just got merged with what they call a trauma story. So the story that you have that is like Adam and Eve or the Bible, any story that explains who, who God is, who human beings are and what their connection is. (laughs) Basically, that's essentially the origin story. Who am I? What's out there? And how are we related? That's every comic book story is essentially that relation or that those three points, right? Um, The God and the us and the with, the God with us, right? And so I, um, it's really quite hard to navigate the world and its systems actually without a sense of self and trapped in fear, I can tell you from years of stumbling around trying to figure out um, who I was and what was all out there and did I need to be afraid of it, basically. Um, And when I became a Christian, I found that all of the ideas of Christianity kind of just gelled with my trauma story. My trauma story told me that I was bad, evil, and that was why my parents hurt me. It explained why they hurt me, because I was evil. And I was clearly born evil. I was born evil because I was so young. I couldn't have really actually even had the time to get some good sins in. I was punished before I could do anything worth punishing. Um and and that I was, my mom got pregnant at 17. I was, I was accidental. I I was a mistake. I and she was Roman Catholic, so I was a bastard. It had a big, horrible name. And in the past, that meant you got buried outside the church courtyard or their their graveyard. You had to be born, there'd be a fence and you'd be, you know, a baby died before it was baptized. It got buried outside. Of the group and um and so i have when i became a christian i totally understood i was like i'm separated from god god thinks i'm bad so then he had to kill his son so he could take away my badness and um and then i just had to spend most of my life trying to like i uh, don't Gerbil on a wheel, try to earn that Jesus had done something so super nice, like some total stranger that I don't even know is totally invisible, but apparently you can have a really intimate relationship with some invisible dude who floats around in the sky somewhere, or maybe it's in heaven. And he's judging everything that you do, deciding whether it's good or bad, good or bad, good or bad, whether you deserved to basically be, you know, crucified for. And so it all made sense to me. I just jived right in. My trauma story sounded so much like the Christian story, but I just got to make it bigger. And Now it wasn't just my parents who decided I was evil and, you know, couldn't love me. It was God, right? But thank goodness, whew, Jesus came. His life's sort of irrelevant. He died. Great. And now I'm miraculously, mysteriously saved from hell by that. So um, but there was something in me, I had a little voice that because I became a Christian. And then how I became a Christian was actually um I was totally alone at home, which was rare because I had five siblings. Um and of course, by the time when you've been traumatized through most of your childhood and you spend most of your time totally terrified, anxiety and depression become crushingly all the things you know. And the point of living seems quite, you know, like, why am I alive if I was a mistake and I'm ruining my parents' lives and I'm evil, like, clearly I shouldn't be here. And so one day I was very calmly just decided I should end it all because that just made sense, in fact, right? It it actually seemed logical. And, um, so I was all by myself. I had never, I didn't really, I hadn't done church. I didn't know God. I did nothing, 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 nothing. And I had like a Paul type experience where God just said something like out of the blue and was basically said to me, why, why are you destroying what I've created? And I was like, it was so clear that it was not my voice, <laughs> it was not my trauma story, <laughs> um, it was not anything to, my parents' voices, it was a voice that was of life, that immediately told me something else It immediately said, one, what's my origin story now? I'm made. I'm made and wanted. The very fact that I'm here means it implies that I'm wanted. It implies that my life actually has a value. I couldn't see it at the time, but it had a value. My very living had some value and that I wasn't alone. Like that there was some God that was witnessing my experience. And, um, I spent most of the last 30 years of being a Christian, striving to earn that love. And, um, and, uh, fortunately, um, I also have had that little voice. And so sometimes I've struggled with Christianity because it sounds so much like my trauma story, but I want to get out of that. Tra- that's, I want to be healed from that trauma story. But then the Christianity kind of echoes some of it. And so what I've had to do is kind of, even though other people seem like they know what they're doing, I have to just trust something inner that's a little bit deeper. It's, I just trust that same voice that spoke to me the same at that time. Um, Because it seems like that was the good voice. That was the voice of life and love. And so I should follow that voice. And so I followed that voice and it's led me through healing from trauma and through trauma therapy. And um, as I've healed from trauma, a whole bunch of Christian, (laughs) but now I would call them maybe quite antichrist views anti, have fallen at the same time. They've fallen away like scales from my eyes. And I see things differently. And I'm like, that is me being transformed. That's overcoming. That's how we are transformed. I asked Evangeline and Judah, what is Jesus overcoming the world means? At first Evangeline's like, I have no idea what that means. Like, what the hell does that mean? Basically, like she said it in that tone of voice. And then um, and then at the end she's like, Well, it just has to be that God does that from inside you. I was like, Yeah, would you like to give the sermon on Sunday? <laughs> it just has to be that the way that we overcome the world and the evil is that the one who is life and the one who calls us beloved every single moment like today is the day of salvation this moment is the day of salvation salvation means is from the word greek word salve for like a healing balm it doesn't mean saving from hell salvation means healing from a judgmental state of mind that is forever trapped in good or evil, good or evil, and returning kind of in a sense to the tree of life, that life is not sustained by deciding whether it's good or evil, that life is, that our lives are sustained by the one who loved us into existence, and I don't mean that figuratively. (laughs) Literally, the Trinity's love making, let's say, love being banged out this universe. <laughs> banged out an expression of love that has millions of faces. Millions of faces. Um each of one of us is the face of God. The Jesus says so many things, and then he just says, This is it. I'm leaving you with one thing. He says, Make sure you judge each other and understand what's good and bad so that they each know who's good and bad. Oh, wait, no, he didn't say that. That's what we're doing. He said, <laughs> Love one another love one another and there's one way to love one another because as evangeline aptly <laughs> said today it's hard to cooperate <laughs> it's hard to cooperate adam and Eve found it was hard to cooperate with the order god had set he said you can choose life which is given to you by loving we loved and loved and it made life or you can choose deciding between good and evil for the rest of your lives, which will kill you because you're not built for it. <laughs> and they, you know, that Lauren Daigle song says, you know, it's, she's, she's singing to the fear, uh, am I enough? I think we have something a little bit deeper than am I enough? And is it love enough? Is love enough? Like, when Adam and Eve, who are us, are in the garden, this earth of beauty, and God says, you're just here to be so I can enjoy you and you can enjoy me, we just get to be in love with each other. And the question is, is love enough? Well, it isn't, I guess, because, or we feared it wasn't, we fear it isn't. Is love enough to change Putin's heart? <laughs> Is love enough to change my heart? I can tell you a trauma doesn't form up a really like person full of beauty and character. <laughs> forms up someone who's terrorized and terror terrified of everything and calculates and dangers at every moment what's good bad how i might survive that's what deciding between what's good and bad all the time gives you it gives you fear and fear is spirit killing and perfect love castle fear Perfect love, but it's it's more than am I enough? It is love enough. And what they chose, Adam and Eve, it wasn't just like eh, it wasn't like they didn't disobey like a kid who is like don't eat that treat before supper. But then they eat the treat and they disobey mom and dad and they get a punishment. That's the God we see because it makes sense to us. That's the worldly God. And it totally makes sense to our flesh, ego nature. Um, but, um, so they wanted more, they wanted more. Like if you look at what it actually says in there, it says her eyes were opened and she saw, or they saw, we saw that the fruit, the tree itself was beautiful because of course the knowledge, God made the tree of knowledge, good and evil. It would be beautiful. Everything God makes is beautiful the fruit was good for eating. Like, yeah, of course God would make a tree that had beautiful and delicious fruit hanging on it. And, and that it gained you something. It gained you wisdom. And so there's three temptations. And I challenge you to go line those temptations up with jesus temptations in the desert and there's like a shocking link between all those three um and they wanted more you know what mammon actually means It doesn't mean money it means the spirit of wanting more the spirit of accumulating i want to have more faith i want to be more like jesus i want to be more humble. I want to be more gentle. I want to be more peaceful. I want to be more joyful. You know what all those desires are? Those are worldly desires. They sound really good. They sound like all the good things that you should want. But what they come from, those desires come from me assessing that I don't have enough joy or peace or humility or gentleness And because I don't have enough, of course God is right in judging me and punishing me. They come from fear. What if we just left the judging alone? What if we were free of that? What if what slavery in Egypt is, or slavery to this world, or slavery to the spirit of mammon that we are not born from, but live in. Jesus didn't, he said, I didn't pray for you to be out of the world. I pray for you to be in the world, but that you will overcome the world, right? He didn't take us out and he doesn't take us out. I mean, Evangeline said, why doesn't God just get rid of all the bad things? I have no idea. I know that God's good, and I know that he's wise, and I know I can trust that wisdom. So these bad things have something to do with our healing and our becoming and our knowing what we didn't know before, that love is enough. That the tree of life, which is given to us through loving, is enough. And last night, I was like, I have no idea what I'm going to say today. Um, Because the way God, when I asked Jesus, I was like, okay, I want to know what overcoming the world means. And I literally saw Jesus almost like in a sun chair saying, I can't tell you, I have to show you. And he jumped up like, kind of like, won't this be fun to show you what overcoming the world is? And I was like, won't this be fun? Because it was like, yeah, I knew what that meant. It meant he was going to spend the last couple of months dragging me through a process of overcoming. And I was like, yay, I get to face my nakedness and that I have no way <laughs> to make anything better or more or different. I'm just naked, there's nothing I've got. And then I have had a, such a shift in the last couple of days where I'm like, haven't even hid their nakedness, but we don't have to hide our nakedness. We were made to be not having anything to give back to God. That was the point. The whole point of loving is that it doesn't ask for something back. You know that. You know that when you love people. The whole point of loving is it doesn't ask for something back. It just enjoys the loving. Like When my kids come and snuggle me and just enjoy that I'm hugging them, I'm like, this is life. This is like all of it wrapped up in this one moment, and I'm a a delight that they delight in me loving them. Like it's my happiest moments with my kids when they just receive my love. Jesus put us here on this beautiful earth, this beautiful garden and said, Christ put us here just to receive the love. You are human, but you are filled with divinity. You are breathed full of divinity. And divinity is love, loving, love? Like, actually. Love itself, loving, loving. Loving the loving. Um, and is love enough? The whole world, everything in the world, tells us it's not enough. And the world's words and messages are entrenched in us. They're entrenched. They're there. That's why we need that renewing of our mind we need transformation we need transfiguration so i'm going to sum up with this dream that i had last night because i don't know about you but i sometimes think god gives me dreams and i also was like insanely desperate last night and went to bed way too late and i was like oh my goodness lord what am i going to say because the last two months have been the craziest most intense interior months of la- for quite a while um so i had this dream and this was the whole dream and I apologize now to bringing up sex at church. but there was this man who just loved me and all he wanted to do was make love to me over and over and over. I apologize, way too graphic for church. <laughs> and he just had so much passion and it just felt like all I wanted to do was surrender to that loving. And then, I was captured and enslaved, like literally turned into a slave in this slave ship, sky ship, pulled away from the lover and encaged in something made to just spend the rest of my life slaving away. And this ship was heading to the future. And so it was all my life was going to be, was being enslaved. And I couldn't do anything to save myself. There was like literally nothing. I have dreams all the time, thanks to trauma, about um, saving people or I'm saving myself from people trying to hurt me. And I always have power. And in this dream, I had no power. I was like completely merged with this shit. My body was actually a part of it. So I couldn't actually separate myself from it. And it was like, but that... Man, who that lover who loved me was coming to save me and set me free. And then I woke up and I was like, wow, I think most people at church are going to be a little bit cringed out to hear that dream, but I should probably share it because that's exactly what love of Jesus is. He didn't save us so we could be good christians he saved us for freedom it's for freedom's sake that christ has set us free that's what it says i not even have to make that one of myself it's just it says it right there for freedom's sake we're set free to be free and our freedom is for one thing there's so much protest right now about freedom identity politics are all about freedom to be who i am but it's not about freedom Being who you are is God considers that inherent. It's implicit in you existing. You get to be who you are. That's if you're alive, it means baby, you were born this way and you're meant to be that way. But like, I'm free to choose to receive the love and say and trust that's enough. And there's nothing else I need to do or be. I don't need more of anything. I don't even need more of the good stuff or the fruits of the spirit. I can just trust that the spirit's going to manifest those in me. And, um, and then I don't have to ever decide what's good or bad. And I'm like, I feel a lot of freedom thinking about that. Look, like, I never have to figure out one more thing, like whether it's good about me that I have it or someone else that's good they have that or bad that they have that, or whether they should do something to get rid of that, or I should do something. I don't have to think about that ever again. I can just be free. I can just be free to, receive the love, trust it. love is enough. And in God loves enoughness, I'm enough. It's just, of course, God's enough. So I'm enough because he says I'm enough and he's enough. I'm enough for God to say, have a relationship with. And I don't have to hide behind the bushes. I don't have to hide that I'm naked and don't have anything to make love more. That I don't have anything that will bring the kingdom by some magical effort. I just loves enough, loves enough. I don't actually have to be enough. It's just so not the point. The point is I just get to be reveling in God's garden with other people that I love and with the animals, with the beauty. And God hearing the sound of God walking through my life. I feel peace with that. So that's what I think God had for us today. I hope that's what God had for us today. (laughs) Yeah. I don't actually have ever tidy sum up questions. Um, Is love enough? (laughs) Is love enough? Is love enough? We can't try to believe that. We can't try to will that to happen. We just need a transfiguration. We need a transformation inside. And you know what the cool thing is? The spirit totally does that. Like, it will actually happen. Even if you don't feel, like, I mean, I love that she says that, right? You say, I'm loved, even if I don't feel it. You don't have to feel it. You don't have to feel like it's true that love's enough. You don't have to think that it's true that love's enough. It just is enough. And you just have to say yes to that ordering of the world that loves enough. And even if you can't even figure it out and it doesn't feel real, it doesn't matter. Spirit manifests it inside us. So that's what I have to say today.